I'm Andy Crouch, inviting you to download and listen to the new Beer Edge podcast, a source for news, information, and insight regarding the brewing industry and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The show, co-hosted by John Hall and I, talks with key players on the front lines of the beer business to give you insights and advice on how to navigate these uncharted waters. The Beer Edge podcast is available on all major platforms, or you can visit us at beeredge.com slash podcasts. Thanks for your support. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer. I'm John Hall, and today I'm talking with Libby Kreider. She's the co-owner of Second Shift Brewing in St. Louis. We'll get to that in just a moment, but first, I'd like to invite you to check out BeerEdge.com for news, additional podcasts, and to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And if you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to this show and leave a review online to help other folks find their way to our corner of the recorded beer universe. And speaking of beer universes, if you spend time on Twitter, there's a lot of beer opinions and hot takes shared every day by a lot of folks who have impassioned conversations that deal not only with recipes, but the everyday life of brewers and brewery employees. And one of the more outspoken folks in that space is Libby Kreider. She doesn't hold back in sharing her opinion, and she has well-reasoned well reasoned, and a full-on view of what's happening at the brewery she co-owns with her husband, Steve. They've put a lot of work into making the brewery a success, and she lays it all out online for anyone who is interested, and is also quick to punch back at any injustices that she sees or unfair comments thrown at her. At times, it can seem exhausted when you're a relatively small brewery that already has a lot to deal with on the day-to-day, and yet she soldiers on. And when it comes to exhaustion, like nearly every other brewery in the country, they've been trying to navigate through COVID-19. And that's where we started, with me asking her what the last few months have looked like. She spoke to me from the brewery just days before they were scheduled to reopen to the public. Here's our conversation. Chaos. I mean, we pivoted. Uh, we did a complete 180 business model, switching from open doors, people coming in, say please, to uh, to go with an online store. Um, had built an online store within 12 hours. Wow. And now we're piv- and now we're pivoting again, um, opening up our patio slowly to reservation only, which um, is something. I mean, thankfully, I and a couple of our our co-workers have background in restaurants and understand reservation systems but that's something we would have never imagined that our brewery uh, would would install as part of our business model so i mean the switching really quickly and pivoting has been chaotic um in business models and basically i mean anytime you start a new business you're going to work out kinks and we've had our kinks so it's interesting to me though um and i want to get back to sort of working out kinks over time but it's the whole idea, and I've been talking with more and more breweries who are making reservation systems. You know, breweries were never that. You know, unless there's maybe a restaurant component to it, but for the most part, it was oh, let's pop in on Saturday, and you know, oh, it looks too crowded. I'm going to go someplace else, or oh, hey, look, there's seats at the bar, so let's hang out for 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 a while. That kind of thing. It was always a little bit, you know, seat of your pants kind of thing. Um, right. And. I'm wondering just from like, and, and, and that's sort of, I guess, the appeal for a lot of owners as well of not necessarily having the structure. You have your opening hours and your closing hours, obviously, but you know, no real structure aside from that. 
how, how do you like circle that square or how have you begun to with you know being an owner and now having to say to people like okay like you can be here from this time to this time and then you have to leave it, it is is i don't know is there mental prep that comes with that there is um you have to kind of be patient with people um like what an example i can give so when we first started to go the response the curbside only was the response was i could have never in a thousand years imagine the kind of wonderful response we got to that but then a few weeks in people get used to it we're not the only ones doing it a lot of other breweries restaurants etc are doing it and that's when kind of the in place basically these are our rules and please follow them that you have to start implementing started to become very necessary people started to get more comfortable they would come in buy the to-go beer and then sit in the parking lot and drink it. And so <laughs> <laughs> things like that. And I, I get it. People want to get out right now. Um, but understanding that it's going to probably be wonderful at first, that people would, will respect the way that you're trying to handle things. But then what I like to see my position as is seeing two steps down the road. So yes, it's going to be wonderful at first, but how do we foresee two steps down the road? And what I see two steps down the road is um, expanding our hours for people coming in for reservations, relaxing a little bit of the reservation hold, but for right now, hoping, and for the most part, our, our clientele understand that we're not doing it to be sticklers. We're doing it for the health of our staff, number one. It's not because we're concerned about you. We're concerned about our staff sees hundreds of people a day. So we want to make sure that we're staying healthy so you can stay healthy. Like all of our staff, we paid to have them tested for the virus. Wow. Thankfully, we've all come back negative. That's great. Um, but it, it's, it's really important to me. We're so small that if one of us goes down, the ship goes down. So I need to take care of my crew um, as much as possible. And if they're healthy, then people are having a good time and they're here. And so I think installing, like you said, the, the square over the circle or the circle over the square um, is, is going to be I fluid. think it goes either way, by the way. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just going to have to be fluid. We're not. We're going to have to realize like we did with it to go, that there's going to be adjustments that are needed. Um, the way that we approach people cannot be in any way, shape or form aggressive. Like this, they're helping us by being here. They're helping us stay alive. So understanding that they're here to enjoy our beer, enjoy our atmosphere and be respectful of that. And hopefully they'll in turn be respectful of the kind of the, the standards that we're setting with the reserve time frame. And then as we see like, okay, an hour and a half maybe is a little bit too short of a time to enjoy two beers because we don't want to, push people to drink too much within that short time frame, which is another huge, was a huge issue for me is I never want people to feel like they have to over imbibe in the, sh- the short time frame they have. Um, sure. And that's, I mean, that's so a big I, thing that you have to think about, right? It, I mean, it's, it's the beer right. fest mentality that some people have of, you know, I paid 70 bucks for a ticket. I got three hours. I'm going to get as blotto as I can. And that's probably the wrong way it, to look at it. Exactly. So understanding that people are taking this opportunity to get out of the house, um, as little as they have right now. And so hopefully, I mean, when we're behind the bar, we're making sure you're not over imbibing. So at this, doing the patio seating, we want to make sure that you're taking care of enjoying yourself, but it'll probably mean that I adjust the time quite a bit, but we're, we're just going to have to see. Um, And it it means being fluid right now. I mean, and I don't see that changing in this industry period. I mean, becoming more fluid, the online store, the curbside, the to go um, having, 
maybe a more stricter regimen of how people are seated instead of the bar mentality. I, I don't see that going away anytime soon, but to, to understand and adjust and evolve as it goes. So, You know, in talking with brewers over the last, I don't know, 20 or so years of covering the industry, it, it's it's been interesting that everybody had a business plan when they first launched. And then you know, three days after opening, the business plan goes in a goes in a file and never gets checked again uh, because yeah. it's so fluid and everything sort of changes. Um, but during COVID, it, 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 I, I've been talking to folks who have been sort of re-earthing their original plan and saying, okay, well, you know, what was our original goal? What was our original intent? You know, have we been, have, have we been meeting that? When you think back to, you know, your brewery, um, what's changed? What stayed the same? How did you adapt? Like, I, I, I guess the, the, the question is then, you know, to start, to start that off of, of what's changed, what's adapt, but like, what did you originally hope that the brewery was going to be? Well, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question because our brewery started off completely different from where we ended up right before COVID. So uh, initially when Steve started the brewery, it was a production-only brewery. There was no tasting room. The tasting room was run by a third party. Um, it was a restaurant at the old location where the brewery was at. They right. would buy the beer from originally Steve, who was his own distributor. And then once we signed on a distributor, they bought the beer through the distributor. So we, we were only production-only um, until 2015. Um and we were completely happy with that. I mean, I came on board in 2011 and started helping him. He started the brewery in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it was just he and I, it was wonderful. I mean, we would sleep in the brewery. We'd get up first thing in the morning, brew. I would package. And that was just kind of our life. And then we found out we were having a baby um, and realized that whatever we were Mama, don't raise your by, kids to be brewers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No, I'm raising them to be business owners, so they understand. Um, but wait, let but, me just back up, back you up just a little bit. Were you guys sleeping yeah. in the brewery like out of choice, out of financial necessity, because like you were young and you thought it was cool? Like, what was the out of choice? We um we lived in the city. We had he shared my apartment with me in St. Louis City, and where the brewery was located it was about seventy miles west, mm-hmm. and it was an hour it was an hour drive each way uh, whenever we were coming home and coming back and we couldn't really keep up with the demand. So we moved uh, my spare room bed set out there, brought my two dogs at the time out there and we would spend four days at the brewery, sleep there. And then we would come home on the weekends and it was, it was a choice. We had a lot of fun um, just <laughs> living and breathing beer. And then once we found out, like, we literally, having, yeah, 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 it was, it was pretty great. Like we got a lot done <laughs> and it was he and I learning to work together, which everybody told us was a horrible, horrible idea. And it I, still is. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. It's uh, my wife and I wrote a book together a decade ago and we'll never do it again. Um, you know, it's, there's certain things. Um, and I, we can get back to that, but, but I interrupted you to, yeah. to ask about sleeping You're in the fine. brewery. Yeah. So once we found out we were having Anna, um, we made a decision that it was probably in our best interest to make a little bit more money to provide for a family <laughs> and uh, decided to open up a tasting room and move into St. Louis. We It was very important for us to move into the city to be a business that contributed to St. Louis City. We looked for about three years. Um, we started looking back in like 2013, 2014, playing around with the idea and then finally settled on a building in 2016, moved, opened up the tasting room. 
And any idea of what we had that the tasting room would be completely went out the window. So that would be our adjusted business plan. Um, and I think that that pivot helped us pivot again once COVID hit. Like, all right, we're changing again. We have to adjust again. Um, and that helped. I mean, the moment you saw all this going down, the week before the, the St. Louis City shut down and we're seeing the effects happening in Italy, the effects happening in China and Spain, and knowing that it was inevitable here, I was sick to my stomach the entire time. It was, it was, it was like doomsday was coming, but you didn't know what to expect to happen. Would we be shut down? Would yeah. we continue to go on? What were we going to do financially? How would we, how would we survive? How would we care for our kids? Uh, kids couldn't go to daycare anymore. Um, and so my only answer was just to make it work. And that was getting the to-go store online as quickly as possible because my fear was that we would be shut down. And I wanted to make as much money as possible, to be honest, as quickly as possible to hold on to funds in case we were shut down and then figure it out from there. And thankfully we weren't. Um, but also thankfully I did that because we created this little bit of a nest egg for us once the to-go sales did kind of slow down that we're currently using. So when you say, um, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. So uh, you're saying raising your kids to be business owners, you know, not necessarily brewers, but business owners. And so often it strikes me as people are following a passion to get into beer and the business sort of comes secondary. And yeah. I think the pandemic has taught a lot of us of the value of, you know, not necessarily living week to week as a brewery. And, and, and a lot of folks who were doing that, who were only open on the weekends or had, you know, big can releases on Saturday that required, you know, a thousand people to show up to buy four packs of cans. Uh, when, when that wasn't able to happen anymore, um, they're in a pretty precarious spot. So is, is, has there been a takeaway of going forward for whatever the next thing is pandemic or not of, okay, how do we, how do we shift the business model and how do we, you know, make it, I don't know, I, easier think, going forward think, or less stressful going forward, I guess. I think the big one that kind of came out of left field for a lot of us that are, are not those type of breweries that are open six days, seven days a week that have the steady business, but don't really rely on huge releases is distribute distribution partners are invaluable. I mean, when this first started, and choosing choosing the right distribution partners is so huge. Um, the first thing that happened when all this went down is our major St. Louis County distributor called and said, we can pay every invoice early. What do you need? We just need to make sure you guys are okay. Um, wow. That's, and that, <laughs> that's like the opposite of what I heard from other folks dealing with other distributors. But yeah. I mean, we, we've obviously had not issues, but they, it's by choice. For us, it's fallen off as far as outside of the St. Louis region and Chicago region. But, um, I mean, the distributors that we've taken the time, and we've, we've learned our lesson over the past 10 years to choose your distribution partners very carefully, um, get out, have a contract that lets you get out without a big financial devastation. Um, but we've chosen friends and friends that understand that it's just business but that also care about you. And so this particular distributor, if I could give them a shout out, it's Craft Republic and um, they're Missouri wide and run by Brian Dix. So his first phone call was to us to make sure we were okay. And they went from picking up every week to now they're picking up twice a week. They're wow. making sure they 
made a major push for us to be in the major grocery store chain down here, case stacks everywhere. Um, they're really what is helping us on the back end. So the over-the-counter to-go sales, while they may be steady or even a little less than they were normal or even a lot less than they were normal, um, that relationship has proven to be in, invaluable because we know that they're picking up every week, they're placing our beers, they're keeping us relevant, um, and they're, they're keeping us afloat. So um, I think that breweries that were re- relying on the brewery-only business model maybe just have in the back pocket like an idea of distribution to find a good distribution partner that maybe just feed a little bit of beer to here and there, but that you can count on when, excuse my language, when shit starts to go a little bit south, like you have that distribution partner that can kind of help you crutch it through. So, and that, that's really been what's helped us. So, We've been talking a lot about, you know, the business and the, the nuts and the bolts of everything, but there is, there's the human element that comes to all of this as well. And right before we hit go on the recorder, um, you were mentioning that you miss seeing people and that you sort of yeah. miss, miss that interaction. And, you know, as, uh, uh, you know, somebody who's more of a introverted extrovert, I guess, you know, so sort of like crosses the line, like I have been missing people, but not all that much or not as much as people think. But, um, there's a lot of gregarious people who are in, the beer industry who really thrive off of seeing people. It seems like you're one of them. H- how have you been dealing with that? How have you been, you know, processing uh, the, the, you know, the lack of interaction from, you know, just outside of your family and the folks who work there. Social media has been big, especially Twitter. Um, <laughs> and I know, I know I, I we'll get into it, it, it but yeah, that's, yeah. It's a two-sided sword. That is um, that is no no substitution for human contact. In fact, no. you know, some people might say beer Twitter, you know, really has no you know humanity to it. But that's <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's there's a lot of I'm just ha- I'm that, just having fun. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there there is there is obviously a there's a lot of hate that gets spread on social media and from keyboard warriors or even from like people that just. You don't, so I have to preface this with, um, I've learned a lot in the past few years, just having kids, like you never know what somebody else is going through, whether that be them behind the keyboard or if they're acting out irrationally in your tasting room or even just as a friend. And so trying to take a step back and not react emotionally at first has been a really big hurdle for me to overcome but something that I'm trying to understand like somebody that may lash out angrily at Twitter you may not know what the backstory is and so to kind of take a step back and kind of hope that you can come to a positive conclusion which it actually had happened a few weeks ago with me with somebody that made some sort of comment about my butt um, but in, also in an everyday life like especially with people in the tasting room, just taking a step back and realizing like this, this may not be about me. And like, it's our job as not as, not as a bartender, but as in the hospitality industry, like we're not only just serving you beer, like we're acting as a therapist, we're acting as a confidant, we're acting as a friend. And a lot of times it's, it's not acting like we actually are for those people. And so realizing that just being able to share your hurts, your joys, and anything in between on social media, for me, it's just been kind of an extension of what we do kind of every day in a tasting room, if that makes any sense. So, sure. Um, 
Oh, uh, one, I, I want to give her a shout out. Avery Swanson, um, she did an interview a few months ago when she was opening up her new brewery. Um, she said her overall mission with this brand in my life is to increase the collective empathy of the world. Everybody is so busy trying to get their point across. They've stopped listening to each other. Whatever we can do to encourage people to engage with each other in person or and or with open arms, anything I can do to encourage that is my mission. And that quote is on my laptop so I can see it every day, like engaging empathy, um, whether it means sharing a piece of yourself that you're uncomfortable with, whether it be in social media or in person is something that I feel pretty passionate about. So, As far as, though, the human interaction, you know, when we're not, yeah. you know, doing you know 200 and what 280 characters now uh it used to be 140 right. 280 <laughs> characters now uh at, at a time i don't know have you been missing that human interaction and i have um i have quite a bit uh steve's always said that he makes beer to facilitate a good time and you see that with people that bring in their families i mean we're a very family-friendly brewery However you agree or don't agree with it, with kids in tasting rooms, we encourage it. Um, and just seeing that you're helping facilitate a special occasion or just drinks with people, um, maybe not even interacting with them outside of just serving them beers, just knowing that you're helping create a memory has been a really big, hard pill to swallow to not see that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the human interaction has been a really big lump in my throat that I've been missing, which is why I'm excited to get our patio started this week, but also hesitant because of the current status of things. Yeah. Um, and not, not getting that has caused me to kind of, uh, I mean, I've gotten pretty depressed, like just in, in my own head. <laughs> I'm in my own head too much. So. There's been a lot though happening outside of the beer world and, you know, not even just, you know, COVID, but, we're obviously going through, um, you know, I, I, hopefully, a, a, a social justice reform in this country and yeah. a renewed attention to Black Lives Matter. Um, your brewery has joined on with the Black is Beautiful initiative. Um, and yeah. you on your own page have been you know, really pushing, um, you know, furthering people's education and awareness and trying to uh, you know, keep the conversation going and, and, and keep it front and center. Um, and that's, I, I've had this conversation on other shows um, where we've been talking about, you know, how in the past it was, you know, well, if you're a small business owner, uh, you should be agnostic, you know, uh, you, right. you, you want to serve everybody, um, you know, so personal opinions are, you know, kept to yourself or, you know, among your family or really close friends. That doesn't seem to be an option anymore in 2020. Uh, businesses are being called out for it, and you know people are are definitely wearing their you know their passions on their sleeve. What have you learned, and what's been your approach to, you know, talking about, you know, these very important issues, um, while also understanding that you're you know, repping your own business. Um, one of the big things is to understand that we are running a business and we do have to be perceived as not, we have to in some way, shape or form be perceived as a leader and how to use that. I have to be cautious with, I mean, there's been several times I've spoken out via the brewery page that I probably should have thought a little bit more about what I've said, but I mean, I always go back to the point that we get 
donation requests from young Republicans of St. Louis, young Republicans in Missouri, young young Democrats of St. Louis, young Democrats of uh, Missouri, uh, this church that wants help uh, doing a fundraiser or a different political organization, Planned Parenthood, um, if all of these organizations are comfortable using our beer to help raise money for them, or if they're looking for a cash donation, why should we be penalized for having our own views and being able to share them? Um, that's always been a big hard pill for me to swallow as well. Huh. Is you you want us to support your beliefs and organizations, but you want to judge us on our own. And so trying to rectify that and understand that has been really was really a big reason why I've been as, as outspoken as I have been. Like it's, it's okay for a, a business to have their beliefs. You want to believe in that business. You want to agree with their beliefs. Maybe until their beliefs don't agree with your own and then you want to call them out. And I feel that that's, that's a really hypocritical stance on things, but you also have to be very careful. Like you do have a variety of people that drink your beer or follow your business and buy your products and you don't want to alienate them. So you want to approach it as, listen, we know that you may believe this. We're just hoping you kind of understand it from our perspective. It's how I've taken it in the past, at least hopefully few months to a year, instead of saying, this is what we believe very aggressively. Like, no, we're just hoping you kind of understand where we're coming from and why we believe this. So, um, but with the whole black lives matter, that's not something I'm going to let go of. This is something we can't see. We cannot see this movement fail. This, I, I can't go back to watching friends hurt again because I, as a white privileged white woman failed to uphold keeping the conversation alive and keeping what is a necessary human, <laughs> human right um, yeah. from, from, dropping off the, the topic list. So. And, and you don't strike me as one who's you know, willing to shy away from a fight, which is, is great. Um, and I'm wondering if, as you've been more engaged online and more engaged uh, in conversation, if have you seen a shift in the business uh, from, from, from the clientele? Because you know, the people who oh. agree with you are certainly going to support you, and we've become so fractured as a country where you know it's too many people see it as you're either on one side or the other and you know there's a line in the middle that nobody you know no one shall cross kind of thing um what what have you seen as has there been a shift clientele wise or is it is beer still a great leveler physically no we haven't really seen a shift what i've seen a shift in is the amount of people that have messaged come forward saying thank you. I mean, for every one person that I don't, I don't know if I can curse on the show or not. No, for you can. I don't care. Base, Who the fuck okay, cares? For, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> for, every one, one, for every one or two person that said, fuck you, second shift, never going to drink your beer again. I've had at least two dozen that messaged me saying, thank you for your beliefs. Thank you for being outspoken. We're proud to support you. And they don't go above and beyond. They don't try to buy more. They just, just the personal thank you um, means a lot. That means there are a lot of people out there that I can relate with that are scared to share because they're scared to rock the boat. They're scared of whether their familiar relations will be compromised, their friendship. I get that. Um, but there's a lot of them that are listening that may not give you the 
valuation right off the bat vocally, but they're listening and they're seeing and they're watching. And so that's been, and trying not to get down about the amount of people that have basically told us to go fuck ourselves, seeing the amount of people that say, we believe in you, keep doing what you're doing, we appreciate you, has been incredibly validating. So. I'm curious if, I mean, pubs have always been, and or alcohol establishments have always been places where rebellions are formed or free thought is happening or passionate discussions are encouraged. Um, right, right. And it was usually among the consumers. You know, it was, you know, the, 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 the bartenders or the owners would probably play Switzerland a lot more just so that they could have as many people in there, you know, a, a, as possible. Um, it's been amazing to me, though, even in this heightened climate that we're in and that we've been creeping towards, you know, in, in the U S for the last 20 or so years, um, maybe even longer at this, at, at this point, the ones who still kind of come back with the, Oh, just stick to beer. You know, like, I don't care about your opinion. Just stick to beer. Don't put your politics into, you know, into, into my beer. Um, and even Andy Crouch, uh, you know, got it on Twitter not too long ago. And, you know, he responded to the person, you know, that he has a law degree and that he's been actually working on cases, you know, that involve racial injustice for, you know, the majority of his career. So he actually knows what he's talking about. Um, right. But when but that just sort of has become a default of stick to beer. How do you respond when people put that in your feed? I ignore it. I used to get into debates with them, but I just ignore it at this point because from what I've experienced, experience is the same people that say stick to beer are the people that just don't want to get involved in the conversation. I mean, whether that conversation turned into a debate, they don't, they don't want to hear your side. They don't want to hear. They, they, they like, not that they want to play Switzerland, but they just don't want to get involved. And we're at a point in this country where I feel like we, people need to get involved. So at this point, I, I just ignore them as a stick to beer. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much ignore them at this point. Like, if you haven't followed us over the past couple of years and you think we're just going to stick to beer, then so be it. But strap in because we're not going to. So. <laughs> Get comfortable, kids. Um, right. Everybody's been missing something uh, in these last couple of months. What are you looking forward to again? Um, <laughs> can I be 100% completely honest? <laughs> I would hope, I would hope you would be. I'm looking forward to Steve going away to beer fest again, so I can have my couple days alone without us working and living together. <laughs> I, I adore my husband. I love him more than life itself, but the way that we had things set up with him be go, being gone for when we were really busy every other weekend doing beer fest, supporting the brand. He comes back happier because he gets to, uh, he gets to see people. He gets to see breweries. He gets to travel, which he loves to do. And I get a couple days to myself with my kids <laughs> to work on my house, to do whatever. And since all this started, we are together 24 seven. So, oh my gosh. I am looking forward to having a little bit of a break between the personal and the business. So it's a, it's a return to your early days when you guys were on a air mattress on the brewery floor. <laughs> Right, but then without the kids, then I could just say, "All right, I'm going to go hang out with the girls for a while. I'll see you tomorrow." Now, I mean, with the kids, like we're we're co-parenting, we're co-running the brewery, we're we're together 24/7. So, 
I love him more than by myself, but I mean, every person in a relationship, I hope realizes like your own personal space uh, is really important. So. Yeah, my my wife hasn't admitted that to me yet, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that she's eager for me to get on a plane sometime soon, just so that she can you know, have that that similar uh, that that similar experience. Um, as we start to you know begin to write the book on everything that's happened, what do you hope customers and beer fans take away from this period in beer? You know, or even brewers, you know, people who are in the beer space, you know, what, like, what do you hope are, you know, the lessons that we take away from this and remember and, you know, hopefully are not doomed to repeat ourselves? Um, rely on each other. That's been a really big one. I mean, if you don't have friends in other breweries that you can call in a panic, which I've done and which I've also received, um, or just the bounce, like, how are you doing this? What are you doing this? This looks really good. How? Oh, that, that's a really good idea. Do you mind if I borrow that? Like, leaning heavily on each other uh, for support rather than see it as competition. Um, at least that's how I've kind of always viewed us is we're, we're either all in this to make it or break it. And I realize that the oversaturation of breweries at this point is that's not a huge realistic view to, to know that we're all going to make it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um but leaning on each other for support has been huge for us, um, even before COVID and heavily now. So I'm hoping, um, and also as far as just surviving and learning from it, it just, it may feel uncomfortable, but putting yourself out there as far as social media, just in promoting yourself. Um, <clears throat> we have obviously our own set of agendas with our beliefs or whatever, but just Post every day what beer you have available. Make yourself more visible. Use social media as a tool. Um, I'm seeing a lot more breweries and beer people do that now, posting the beers that they're drinking, that they're enjoying, and people are listening. I mean, what more do you have to do? You you may be working at home right now, but then you're also scrolling through social media. Like That's how we're all kind of keeping in touch right now. Yeah, so. endlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would. My biggest thing is just, I mean, Another shout out, like Emily from Perennial is one of my good friends Mm -hmm. and have seen her a couple times through this. Just, I mean, right when this first started, we sobbed and just sobbed together and drank wine. And when we have victories to see what we're doing is working or when we're seeing something maybe not work and how to adjust it. I mean, just even bouncing price points off of her, like, what are you charging for this beer on this patio? How are you doing this? And just having somebody so readily available to share information with you and to cheer you on and cheer them on has been, has been really good for me mentally and as far as the business helpful. Well, I hope, uh, hope it starts to get better for folks and I hope it starts to, you know, that we're all able to sit outside on a patio and drink beer and then eventually move back inside and, and drink beer and keep the ideas going. Um, Libby, thanks so much for sitting down and being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think the world of both you and Andy, and I'm just very honored and humbled that you even pay attention to my ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> Honored's not really a word that we use to describe me and Andy, but that, that's that's really <laughs> nice. Of you. Um, you know, I imagine this proved that proved that theory wrong, but uh, uh, no, thanks. I appreciate it.
That's Libby Kreider of Second Shift Brewing. You can learn more about the brewery by visiting secondshiftbrewing.com, and that's 2ndshiftbrewing.com. And before we go, I'm inviting you to check out beeredge.com. It's the newsletter for beer professionals where you can subscribe to our newsletter. You can listen to this and other podcasts and also catch up with other news that's impacting the beer world these days. Go to beeredge.com for more. As always, Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed the logo. I would love it if you could like and subscribe to this particular show and leave a review online to help other people find it. You can always reach out to me on email. It's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com or join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And you can also listen to Steal This Beer every Monday with new episodes coming out there and the BYO podcast, which comes out on the 15th of every month. And, of course, the Beer Edge podcasts hosted by myself and Andy Crouch, usually more Andy than me, lucky you, uh, where you can find out what's happening in the business end of brewing these days. So check out the Beer Edge podcast. New episodes of this show, Drink Beer, Think Beer, come out every Wednesday. And I'm John Hall. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer. And I hope you'll join me. Cheers. Cheers.